Welcome to the show. It's the Dave Juskow Podcast, the legendary Dave Juskow Podcast. I'm all tongue-tied already. We just started the show. Not cool. Dave Juskow with you on a chilly Thursday morning. It's Thursday night, but it's uh, it's still cold. June 18th. I'm going to have to wear a jacket when I go back outside. That doesn't make any sense. What's happening? This global warming doesn't feel too warming. How are you? <laughs> but it's a great day. I'm here by myself today, except with my special guest, Selena. And we're going to be with you all day, or at least for the next hour. How about that? I chose to do the podcast myself today. Obviously, I can always get guests. Well, I mean, it's not that easy to get guests. I'm not... Very important, but um, I sometimes, as you know, like to do the show myself. I got some odds and ends I'd like to wrap up before we get to the month of July and our nation's birthday. And I next week I want to tell you that uh, it's a, you know we are I've been promoting this for such a long time. Next week I'm going to be filming the show and taping at the same time. Uh, for a website called Duh Thoughts. That's right. Duh Thoughts. D-U-H-T-H-O-U-G-H-T-S.com. DuhThoughts.com. I think they're trying to make it like a, like a gawker or, a, you know, something like that, like a, like a dead spin or something, you know, like a little wacky site. You can get some entertainment news and some nonsense. And the Dave Juskow Show. The second tab on the right, in the corner of the top. So we're going to try that next week. Uh, my friend Irene will be here, of course, because uh, she's camera ready. And at that time, we will be presenting the winner of the Cow Cup. Yes, the Cow Cup. The coveted Cow Cup that combines the beautiful sport of hockey and basketball now that both sports are over. The Chicago Blackhawks are the Stanley Cup champions. And the Golden State Warriors won two days ago. Beat LeBron James. What? They beat the king of the world, according to him. And the Cleveland Cavaliers in six. And Golden State won their first championship in 40 or 50 years. I think it's 40. And it was quite an impressive... Uh, I mean, you know, listen, you got to beat the best. you got to beat LeBron. You deserve the championship. But that team was all banged. I'm not giving... I mean, I don't have any problem with Golden State. I don't... It's not like, uh, you know, if the Jets lost to Pittsburgh. Well, you know what? They cheated. No, I don't care. Golden State seems fine to me. Steph Curry seems like a pretty cool guy. Handsome fella. Cute little baby. Unbelievably hot wife. But why wouldn't he? You know, sometimes I use the line from Arthur all the time, the Dudley Moore, Liz Minnelli, love talking about her on the show. I use the line, uh, whenever I talk about somebody, you know, like Steph Curry's married to, you know, somebody will say, she's married to, a, he's married to a really pretty woman. And I'm like, well, why would he marry a dog? That's from Arthur. Why would Arthur marry a dog? <laughs> um, Liza says that. It's not like somebody says that about Liza. That would be devastating to our good friend Scotty Gornstein and I will tell you that today I'm doing the podcast kind of quick I mean I'm doing the full hour but then I got to run out of here and 
go to a Scotty Gorenstein show. He just picked up a new client. I mean, sometimes you got to do the favor. So more gayness for your old pal Dave Juskow. I got to go see a cabaret show tonight. Her name is Yana Avis. I don't know who she is. You don't know. Apparently, she's an international cabaret star. Oh, great. Good times. And I'm going with uh, all the gay guys, Alan Lee, our friend Marvin, and his husband, Igor. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I'm gaying it up tonight. And I'm telling you, oh, it's not just tonight. I played the clip at the beginning of the show. That's right. Sunday night, I went to see Barry Manilow. Yeah. I'm just doing everything to never have sex with a woman again. That's my plan. This is like worse than just quoting something from Star Trek II. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing now. Now people are just coming out asking, no, are you gay? I mean, just, no, I'm just, I'm just asking. A, I'm a friend. You know, I'm just, it's, it's okay. You know, we don't mind. But you know what? None of it bothers me. I just couldn't give a shit. <laughs> you know, I like doing what I do. I mean, listen, I watched the NBA Finals. I watched them. They were great. Um, as a matter of fact, I even recorded uh, the winner because uh, this is hilarious. There is a woman. Her name is Doris Burke. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm going out there. I'm going there. I'm sexist when it comes to sports. I think I mentioned on the show before, I don't like when women are giving out the uh, the trophies or when they're talking. St- I don't like I'm sorry. I think a, a legendary NBA announcer guy should do it, you know? I don't know who this woman Doris Burke is. I've never seen her before. She's weird, and she talks funny. I mean, it's better than the NBA president, that Adam. I mean, that guy's a doofus. I don't know what his deal is. But I don't, I don't like some of these women, you know? I, like I, We've talked about it on the show before. That's right, because there was a, a, a female analyst that I did like because she played basketball for college. So it made sense. I don't know who this Doris Burke is. I never heard of her before, otherwise she's presenting the trophy. And why do they have to give it on the other team's court? You know, Golden State won in Cleveland. And, you know, back in the day, they used to give it, if you won on the road, you, you'd do it in the locker room. I, I, I don't know. If I, all right, I'm just using this scenario again. Okay, if it's the New Jersey Devils and the Kings, you know, had they won in New Jersey, am I going to stay to watch them present the Stanley Cup to the Los Angeles Kings? I think I'd prefer if they just went into the locker room and, and did it there. I mean, they're, they're going around, you know, waving their trophy in the air, the NBA this time, because uh, the Chicago won actually at home, in, every, in Cleveland's face. I know there's some fans, they, they're taking pictures, because you do want to be part of the moment. It is exciting to be there, but ugh, that's a tough one. And they keep doing that lately, and it's, uh, it's annoying. I think. So you got this Doris Burke, and here's what she said. I, I mean, uh, I, I taped her, and I'll show you why in a second. Ladies and gentlemen, now at center court for the presentation of the Larry O'Brien Trophy, please welcome ABC's Doris Burke. Wait, was I doing that voice? Ladies and gentlemen, now for the presentation of the Larry O'Brien. Ladies and gentlemen, with us here tonight to present the 2015 Larry O'Brien Trophy to the Golden State Warriors, please welcome... Commissioner Adam Silver. Yeah, she's boring. Please welcome. Um, you know what? Now that I'm listening to that, I can't really pick it up there. But if I had kept it going and you let her speak a little, I don't know whether you can tell. But um, this is what I believe she sounds like. Your anagrams are showing, Doctor. Lewis Friend. Iron Sulfide, also known as, as Fool's Gold. Oh, Clarice, your problem is you need to get more fun out of life. You were telling me the truth back in Baltimore, sir. Please continue now. Well, I've read the case files, have you? Everything you need to find him is right there in those pages. And tell me how. First, Dr. Lecter. I think that's how uh, that woman sounds. Doctor, Doctor, Dr. Lecter. There's there's a musical called uh, Silence. It's a musical comedy based on Silence of the Lambs. It was really funny. I saw it off, off Broadway just a couple of years ago. And the woman that did Jodie Foster was hilarious. She was doing that voice. Listen, Dr. Lecter, your anagrams are shower, Dr. Lecter. I'm not doing it good. I'm 
I don't know what I'm doing, but um, that's what I think that woman sounds like. Um, but maybe I'm wrong. But uh, then I also, uh, because we were talking about Silence of the Lambs, I also had to play uh, my favorite part. Your name is? Oh, uh, Jack Gordon. Mr. Gordon. Good. Um, well, Frederica used to work for Mrs. Lippman. Did you know her? No, uh huh. Oh, wait. Was she a great big fat person? Yeah, she was a big girl, sir. Yeah, I use that all the time. Was she a great big fat person? <laughs> and then, you know, the people I know, like, well, I mean, she's. <laughs> Oh, I mean, that guy's so creepy. <laughs> she... Worked for Mrs. Lippman. Did you know her? Oh. No, huh? Oh, oh wait. wait. Was she a great big fat person? <laughs> that guy's, you know, the creepiest guy ever in the movies. Oh, the voice, the, the thing, puts his penis between his legs. I mean, that guy... That guy has it all. He's resurfaced somewhere else. I seen him recently in something. It's just funny seeing him because uh, you know after a performance like that, sometimes you don't get work again. You know, Selena's sitting on my papers. Ugh, he's such a Selena. I love you, but I mean, come on, you gotta give me a break here. Anyway, uh, so yeah, that's what I got to do tonight. I got to go see uh, Scotty, and then. But uh, so, yeah, so we went to see Barry Manilow at the Prudential Center on Sunday, took my sister and her two friends. One, one of her friends was like a five-time Fanilow. You know, and I'll go to see anything at the Prudential Center. You know, I'm, I've made it clear my cousin owns the arena, so uh, I'll see anything. But I got no problem with Barry Manilow. I've always thought, you know, I mean, the guy is a living legend, so I, I don't care what's there. I'll see anything. I was supposed to see Rush on Saturday, but I'm uh, doing the roller derby. So my allegiance is to them. But um, so we're there and we're having a good time. And then my uncle comes down and he's like, oh, we got uh, front row tickets if you want them. And, uh, and we're like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe I didn't say it like that. I was trying to be cool. But my sister was very intrigued, and let alone the other girls we were with. I mean, but the fact of the matter is, and as gay as it is, Seeing anybody in the front row of a big arena like that's kind of cool. But the thing about Barry Manilow is that, you know, he, he is a living legend. You know all the songs, but it's funny. I mean, we played that thing at the beginning. You have to understand, in 1977, when I was little, I mean, he, that, he had this album, Barry Manilow Live, which was just such the shit because... Let alone you knew all the songs, you know, whatever they were, Daybreak, and that was before Copacabana. He was like the hugest star on the planet at that point, which is just, I know it's hard to get your head around how popular he was. I've been trying to explain this to people. Because he had this, it's basically a three-year period where he was the king of the world. And, like, he had... um you know, a couple of albums before this big live album, which was just, you know, crazy triple platinum. And, you know, he had the, the I Write the Songs and he had Daybreak and he had, um, you know, a couple stuff uh, like uh, what else uh, was huge? Uh, looks like we made it and, you know, things like that. But then he had this live album and that just was for anybody my age. It was like just the greatest album, but mostly because of what I played at the beginning which was he had this thing and it was called the VSM or Very Strange Medley. And you know what I'm talking about if you, you know, worship the album. There's a couple of us out there. And it was all before he got famous, he wrote a bunch of jingles that of songs that were so popular back then, like Kentucky Fried Chicken. I mean, I remember that as a kid. They still use the some of these songs, you know, and then he wrote the McDonald's, You Deserve a Break Today. And to hear him play them all in a you know, in a, a medley, that was, when you're a kid, that was like the greatest thing ever. Like, not only does he have these songs that are played on, you know, rock stations at the time, if you can even believe it, but then he plays these commercials, which are like unbelievable. Here's like some more, I think. Yeah, let's go. Oh, yeah, State Farm. They still play that song. Give your face something to smile about. Stridex pads. Do they still make those? 
It's the most original soft drink ever in the whole wide world. Dr. Pepper. I mean, the things back then, these songs were all on TV. Remember, you had to sit through the commercials back then. There was no, you know, fast forwarding. So we all knew these commercials. So for him, then, then you're like, so if you like, you know, him at that time and you think, looks like we made it's a great song or I write the songs and you're like, boy, he's great. And then you're like, wait a minute. He did that too. This guy paid his dues. When you're 13 and you're just like, you know, thinking about what I want to do as, you know, being a comic or an actor or something and paying and you hear about paying your dues and you're like, boy, this guy is the real deal. You know, it's kind of like um, the way I think about somebody like, I know it's, it's kind of different, but somebody like uh, Carrie Underwood or Kelly Clarkson. Now, Carrie Underwood, you know, we saw her on like the Sound of Music and stuff, uh, you know, when they did it live. And she's not great. She's not, I mean, she's not a great actress or anything, but we know she's a really good singer. We know she's good because we saw her, you know, if you watched American Idol, you saw the progression, you saw how you know, we know she's really talented. We know she's not using any effects, you know, or stuff like that. And that's why, in a way, that's like almost not, it, it's kind of slipping by paying your dues, but there's a truthness to it that, uh, you know, we know that she came from this thing and worked real hard. I mean, listen, I don't care for American Idol anymore, but that's a tough show. You you got to be kind of a pro because... How many people get sick while doing it and they got to learn songs, they got to memorize songs, they got to do it in two days and, you know, they got to make commercials, they got to do advertising. I mean, that's a tough schedule and you really do have to be kind of a pro to win, let alone even come in the top five. But, um, yeah, I mean, those commercials, that was unbelievable. And he put it into a medley in his concerts and it was a double album and it was huge. And I just remember it as a kid because he was... He had this huge, you know, this unbelievable costume, you know, not nothing like Eddie Murphy's Raw costume, uh, not Raw, the uh, delirious one, but uh, no, Raw. And um, it was this blue outfit or something, and he's just got his hands in the air and the spotlight on him. It was kind of badass, you know, back then. But here's the funny thing. So he's three years. He's kind of the king of the world. You figure from... 75 or 6 to 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 the 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 album after this one was called Even Now and that one had Copacabana on it you know and that's where you know that was like oh my god this guy is really unbelievable I mean Copacabana whether you like it or not was enormous and everyone whether you like Barry Manilow or not knows Copacabana I mean, it is still played to this day if you're on the dance floor. Front. So this guy, 79, comes up with uh, Copacabana and he comes up with like kind of a disco Spanish song. Perfect timing. A silly song. A fun song. I knew every lyric. My dad came into my room when I was a kid. He was like, what are you singing? I'm like, Copacabana. And he's like, that's a strange song for a kid to be singing. You know, because <laughs> it, it was strange and it was weird, but... You know, I had this beat, and it was good, and it was fun, and it was exciting. And then it's funny. That album, right? We all know. If you're listening to this podcast, I don't care who you are, you know Copacabana. I don't care if you're 22. I don't care if you're 52. You've heard of Copacabana. The next album, he's through. Barry Manilow's over. Like, 19, as soon as the 80s came, it's over for Barry Manilow. That's what's so interesting. You know, not over, but then... The songs, the hits weren't coming. Nobody cared. This next album was called One Voice, Never Recovered. And not like recovering, it just like, it just, I don't know. You just started not digging it or you just wasn't writing the good songs. And the funny thing is that I remember in 1982, this is how fast he kind of imploded in a way. You know, and I hate to say that because I mean, the guy's obviously, you know, talented, but yeah, I mean, it was just over. I mean, he's not complaining. He just sold out uh, you know, a huge arena, and it's not like he was hurting for money. He wrote all those jingles before, so I'm sure it was fine. But I remember, again, as a kid, in 1982, watching an episode of Family Ties. I remember it as a kid, where they said how great Barry Manilow was. I remember the situation 
it was like the, like the first season and Alex was dating like a college girl and I remember because the girl was really pretty and she was in Friday the 13th part 2 and I think that I think that might have come before and I just remember her from that movie and that she was pretty you know 80s pretty <laughs> and you know he had sex for the first time so I guess it stuck with me but I, I, I mean I remember everything about that episode I don't know why and the Mallory comes in and he gets a phone call she's like oh my god I just got tickets to a concert and she's like is it Barry Manilow and he goes better and she goes better than Barry Manilow and that's Ma Mallory you know it was like a really hip 14 year old girl just better than Barry Manilow she might be 15 at that time I think they're only two years apart he was 17 um, and I remember saying to myself who wrote this and that's only 1982 you know <laughs> it's like five years before that I was like Barry Manilow's the shit and I'm saying to myself what old man wrote this and so knowing the episode I was able to find it and here's a clip and it's uh, I think they sped it up I got it off YouTube uh, so they wouldn't get caught but here it is here's the scene Yes, yes. Can I tell him who's calling? See how Just a minute. Alex, Stephanie Brooks for you. Or a little, uh, you oh. know, chipmunks. Yeah, sure, I remember you. There wasn't any problem with the groceries, was there? Good. Uh, tonight? In person? Oh, I'd love to go. All right, I'll come by your place at 7 o'clock. Thanks again. Goodbye. Front row center. I can't believe it. Are you going to that Barry Manilow concert tonight? Oh, better, better. Better than Barry Manilow? Who? Milton Friedman. <laughs> Milton Friedman, the economist. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's what made that show great. Michael J. Fox, you know, watching it again when he's really young. It's so funny. I don't know whether you know the origins of that show. It's quite fascinating, really. The show was made, and I mean, it's no secret. The show, I just like this kind of stuff. The show was made as a tour de force for Meredith Baxter Burney, who was really pretty, but, you know, a horrible actress and should never have been doing comedy. And she had come off a show called Family where Christy McNichol, if you remember that name, kept winning Emmys for some reason. It's a troubled teen. That's a troubled 70s teen. It's a little different. And um, funny, Christy McNichol, now lesbian, Meredith Rex Bernie, now lesbian. Interesting. Hmm. I'm going to have to take a look at that show, Family, again. You know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> How you doing? Anyway, Revelation. Should I put the breaking news music? No, no. So, anyway, it was, a, it was made for him. And so they, you know, have this Michael J. Fox on it. And you can clearly see the first couple episodes just, just not, you know, it's, she, she might be the actual star. And then there's this fourth episode, and he has sex for the first time, which is pretty controversial back in just 1982. Uh, and he's just so funny. And the fact that he likes Milton Friedman, the economist, that's the thing. You know, like, he'd never seen a show like that before. It's really interesting. And, you know, the premise was the, the parents were hippies, and then they had a son who loved being a Republican and loved Reagan and had pictures of Nixon on his wall, and it drove the parents crazy. Great premise. But it's funny because you can see how great Michael J. Fox was. I mean, he really was great. If you don't understand why Michael J. Fox is a star, you know, before Back to the Future, why he got Back to the Future, you look at a couple of old family ties and you just see how funny he was and just this kid. And the more they were clearly realizing, boy, we really got something with this kid. And Meredith Baxter Burney was furious because they're like, well, why is this all about him? And she figured it out towards the end, I guess, because, you know, for her, she should just be like, ooh, good thing I'm on board with this series. But, you know, what a bitch. <laughs> she's like, but I'm the comic actress here. And she's just horrible. Um, really horrible. Almost ruins the show, because the father was really good on that show. Mallory was really good. Even that, you know, horrible Tina Yothers was decent. She brought down the show. Meredith Baxter Bernie's horrible. And she almost ruins many episodes. But so the nerve of her thinking this was her show, 
But Michael J. Fox is so good and uh, so funny. And uh, I don't know. And you know, so I also remember, it's funny what I, what I retain in my mind, the strange things that everybody does retain, but for me in particular, I remember Steven Spielberg on the Today Show talking about, like, oh, what projects you got going on? He's like, oh, we got a couple of things. Uh, I, I don't know. He was promoting something else, and then he goes, oh, plus we got this uh, movie called Back to the Future with uh, that guy, that kid from Family Ties, Michael J. Fox. And he goes, uh, yeah, he goes back in time and he ends up meeting his parents and stuff. And that he was explaining it. And I remember going, that sounds like the greatest movie of all time. <laughs> it just sounded so funny. The premise was amazing. And uh, yeah, if you know the story about that too, I, I, I believe that this was what brought on Michael J. Fox's Parkinson's. Okay, this is my theory. And uh, nobody knows where it came from. I don't think it ran in his family. Nobody knows where Parkinson's comes from. Okay, Muhammad Ali has it. Makes sense. Something's going to happen. You get keep, kitten, keep, keep getting hit in the head like that, right? Makes sense that Muhammad Ali would have something, you know, like that. I mean, obviously, there's people who get Parkinson's. It doesn't make any sense. But Michael J. Fox had a nervous breakdown because... They wouldn't let him get out of Family Ties to do Back to the Future. So he had to do Back to the Future on the weekends and at nights and then do Family Ties during the day. And he was exhausted. And, and, and I think his father died during it too. I mean, as if you could just add it on. And then he had a nervous breakdown. And in, in, my, in my opinion... Is it possible that that could have what maybe started causing it? I don't know. It's a theory. It's not a horrible theory. I don't think anybody can disprove it. But boy, he was the man for a while, huh? Just like Barry Manlow. He, he had this uh, period of time where Michael J. Fox was the king. He was so funny and so cool. Back to the Future is so brilliant. And then Back to the Future 2 and 3 kind of suck. And I always wonder if people... Uh, saw them without seeing the first one if they'd like them better I bet the Back to the Future 2 is kind of fun if you haven't seen the first one actually it might be a, a lot more entertaining we're doing this thing next week uh, we're going to my friend Max it's this dovethoughts.com my uh, friend Max King uh, really wants to just do this and put it on his site it'll probably be like 15 minutes you know we'll tape the whole show but then there'll be 15 minutes video and the presentation of the cow cup and I know I said it already but I don't know, you know, I don't know how it's going to go. We're going to use a different type of microphone. We're using lav mics, which hook onto your shirt. So I don't know if I'm going to get the, the good quality that I get here at my house. <laughs> Again, better than stand-up New York, ironically. So if I don't feel it's uh, good enough, you know, I'll do another one on Thursday. But um, I just wanted to let you know that's that's the plan. So for some reason, I don't have an episode happening or something. You know, there's been a snafu, and I apologize. Because I know, even though I have a small amount of listeners, they are very loyal. And that is what keeps me wanting to do the show every week. Speaking of which, um, you know, I don't know. I, I didn't get a chance to say I took the week off because I had gone down to Orlando um, on Memorial Day weekend. And I just wanted to uh, talk about it a little bit because I went down and I think I, I, I had mentioned that I was, you know, I, I had this thing where I was going to go down to Adult Swim. You know, that's the Cartoon Network, and I was going to, uh, I was pitching a show. And I figured, you know what, I'm, since my niece was dancing in Disney World, now she's 17, and she is a horrible dancer. I believe I've mentioned all of this. She shouldn't be dancing anymore. The, the dance teacher hates her because she ruins her business in a way because she's like, wait, you've had this kid for 10 years and she still dances like that? You know, it's like that. So she hates her and my sister, which is nothing short of hilarious. So I figured, all right, I'll go down to Orlando. I'll get some friends there too. Maybe I'll hook up with this girl. You know what I'm talking about, right? And since it's, you know, Orlando, you know, maybe I'll stop in Atlanta because they're close together because it's the South. <laughs> well, apparently I know nothing. Atlanta's six hours away. I thought it was an hour and a half away. I told the guy, yeah, I'm going to be in Atlanta anyway. I'll come by. 
He was just like, you'll come by. Apparently, nobody ever goes to Atlanta to the Turner Broadcasting Studios. You know, nobody ever comes there. They, you know, they either email or video chat or something, you know, whatever. <laughs> nobody comes by and they're like, what? So the guy was totally creeped out. But then he turned out to be very nice. So anyway, I went down to Orlando on Memorial Day, the Saturday of Memorial Day. Went to Disney World. Had a pretty good time. Saw some fireworks. It was all right. And then the next day was the dance competition, which is in the Disney Marketplace or something like downtown Disney. What a mess that is. It's fun, but it's too crowded with jerk-offs and people, and it was hot. It was like, uh, you know, and it was traffic. I mean, what? Really? Because I had my car there. People take transit. But my sister even said even the public transportation sucked. They were staying at the Port Orleans Hotel, and you got to take a boat, but you got to wait two hours to get on the boat. I had to wait an hour to get on the ferry back to my car for the Magic Kingdom. You believe that? We were ready to knock down these people. I mean, that, that, they, how did, Disney is, that's what they do. They're really good at putting commonness together and, and making sure everybody gets out. And oh my God, it was a mess. I, I'm surprised more violence doesn't happen there because, uh, you know, I guess people take into consideration, they're like, well, you know what, I got to relax, even though this is a disaster, because the last thing you want to be doing on your vacation is waiting in line and, you know, being angry at other people that suck. And But anyway, so we go to see my niece dance. Unfortunately, they serve drinks on that island, so I found a place that was serving margaritas, and they were excellent, getting a little toasted. And my sister and I were sitting in the front, or the second to la- the second front row, I mean, he's dancing. It's not a big deal. You know, they have a like a separate stage somewhere. I, I don't know. You know, these dance teachers, they're very good at charging all the parents, you know, money. Uh, it's a scam business, you know, but it's not in a way, and it is. So she starts to dance, and I've, you know, and I talked to my sister. I was like, you know, as much as I like to make fun of my niece, um, I've never, never actually seen her dance. I just like to make fun because of what you told me and that kind of stuff. And then, you know, I saw her dance, and I'm like, but she really is off half a step with everybody else, isn't she? But the best part was she's just standing there. Like, all the other girls are dancing, and she's standing, like, waiting. Because clearly the teacher doesn't want to put her in anything, puts her in uh, a worse outfit than everybody else's. And the move she does is she runs in at one point, gets on all fours, and then the other girls jump off her back like a trampoline to propel them to do flips. <laughs> And my sister and I were crying laughing. We're crying we could, because we were like, oh, my God, that's like the worst thing that they can do to the person they hate the most. And so we're crying laughing. This guy turns around. He's so angry. He probably thinks we're laughing at his daughter. And we can't even apologize because we're laughing so hard and we're drunk. <laughs> but it was so funny. And it, it wouldn't be funny if she gave a crap, but my niece doesn't care. She loved every minute of it. Doesn't care does not care they put her this dance teacher she's 17 they, they put her with 13 year olds to dance because she's so bad couldn't care less having the time of her life all smiles so that's why we make fun otherwise it would be sad i would never tell anybody because it would be just so sad or i'd tell it a different way uh but uh it was you know it was all right <laughs> all day i was supposed to meet this uh girl she was supposed to meet me she lives in tampa she's a wrestler and I was supposed to meet her. She was going to come to Orlando. She doesn't fly, so she was going to drive. Well, I mean, you don't have to fly from Tampa to Orlando. That's only an hour. I guess that's what I was thinking of Atlanta. And at 9 in the morning, she texts me, are you ready? And I'm like, what? no. Come like around 4. 4? Doing my uh, Randy Tangerfield and uh, back to school. Well, the answer to question 4, part 8, exhibit B is... Four? So this girl, so finally she texts me at one. She's like, well, can't you come here? And I'm like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And then at two o'clock, she's like, oh, I can't come. My father won't give me the card. I'm like, you fool, huh? She's like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm living on my, par- I'm sleeping on my parents' floor. And my dad has a gambling problem. And my mom's an alcoholic. And I didn't write her back after that. <laughs> it's like, wait, um, I might have dodged the bullet here. You know, sometimes you let it go because somebody's so hot. But that one, yeah. Because I was going to bring her, you know, to the, yeah. I did I did the, the right thing. Right? Yeah. 
I mean, that's not even cool if you're 22. Oh, is that your... Well, maybe. Uh, who knows? Anyway, then... Um, so, right, Monday, Memorial Day, I don't remember what I did. But then, so I had to be in Atlanta on Tuesday at noon. So Monday night or Tuesday morning, I left at 2 in the morning. That gives me 10 hours to get to Atlanta. It was a six-hour drive. But I was nervous. I haven't done a six-hour drive ever. Done five, maybe at the most. So I just got up and left. And I was wide awake the whole time. And the trip was interesting. It was good. It was like, you know, but it was scary, like in a way, because just, you know, going to Tallahassee or something. You know, I've never been there. I think that's where, like, the Gainesville, where the University of Florida is, you know, which is exciting when I'm watching college sports. But, you know, it was late at night. It, you know, the speed limit's like 80, which was fun, but still terrifying. It's all trucks. And I, you know, it's just, I, I don't even think I was listening to music or the radio. I was just plowing through, a little nervous, a little terrified, not relaxed. And I had a pretty good car, but I think you need a nice big car for a drive like that to really kind of relax. But I made it all the way through. I never stopped except maybe once for gas. And then I was outside. I was an hour outside Atlanta at around 9 a.m. It was perfect. So, or 6 a.m. So I took a little nap at a rest stop. And went to Atlanta and had some Starbucks. Fresh as a daisy. Fresh as a daisy. It was unbelievable. Went to my meeting. It was like the whole thing never happened. So then I was going to meet a friend of mine in Atlanta there. You know, I know one person. She's like, yeah, it'll be great. It'll be great to see you. And she works. And uh, she texts me. I'm like, yeah, you, I haven't heard from you. She's like, oh, I, I can't get out of work. I'm swamped. I'm swamped. And that's what she used to say at my job when we used to work together. Oh, I'm swamped and she used to blame it on this guy she's like he's giving me too much work it's too much pressure and then the guy that followed her after his uh, the assistant had nothing he was so bored by that job he left because he had nothing to do so now I realized after this day that it, it's her she's an idiot she's just an idiot who your friend that you've known since for 30 years comes to town once she just moved to Atlanta. She's lived here for years. And and you, you, you can't tell your boss, like, yeah, I got a lunch plan today. So, you know, I'm on the phone with a caterer. I got, I'm swamped. I can't get out. What a loser. So I went home. I just started my trip. I was driving home. I was driving home because I got a car for $8.50 a day. If I drove it back to Newark, how could I resist it? I'm, I'm a Hebrew. That's what we do. The parking. So I drove home. And it wasn't a bad ride. I was I was just, kept, I could have kept going, but I was like, no, I probably should rest. And then I, I had to try and make myself fall asleep. But I stopped at a jack-in-the-box in North Carolina, which was fantastic. I think I spent 20 bucks. I had to buy like something, I had to buy like everything. I bought like, you know, the, the, the monster tacos. Because you can only get those in Los Angeles when I'm there, you know. And I had that when I was a kid, you know, Jack in the Box. And they took it away from New Jersey. So anytime I'm around it, I got to have it. These are the worst tacos ever, but they're delicious because they, I guess they bring back memories or whatever. I don't know. These tacos, they're, they're soggy and gross. And all they are are like, it's not even meat. It's a soy product, which I heard is made out of a yoga mat and a slice of American cheese and some lettuce. <laughs> it's delicious. <laughs> and you can get two of them for 99 cents. What? And I and I and I got that, and I got a hamburger, and I got an egg roll. I don't I don't know why. I think what happened is the night before I left, um, I had some Chinese food with some friends, and the egg roll was so good, I wanted another one. But why would you get it at Jack in the Box? You mean everybody knows how much bathroom troubles I have? Why would I do that to myself on a twenty-hour drive? <laughs> because I'm an idiot. And this is why you've never heard of me before. It's very clear. It's very clear. And show two. Say now. But anyway, the ride wasn't too bad. You know, I just really plowed through. But it was really funny when you get to some of those rest stops, like those trucker stops. I would stop at those trucker stops. I felt safe there. But they're disgusting. Um, and it's funny. You're walking around. You get out of the car. And you see everybody looks like a zombie. And I'm not saying everybody's like wired to keep themselves awake. You just like you are doing that when you're driving for that long. You're just, you know, 
pumping yourself so when you're walking around the store you just walk everybody looks like a zombie it's really messed up I can't imagine working in a place like that you're just dealing with crazy people I guess you know I mean you know so the whole time I was listening to the truck driver channel on Sirius I figured I guess I should listen to what's going on I kind of liked it because you know it's live at 4 or 5 in the morning because that's you know that's why it's the trucker channel it was kind of fun and then when I got home to New York, I was listening to it because Howard was on vacation, so I just started listening to it again, going to sleep with it. <laughs> I kind of liked it. And after after a long drive, I was like bonding, you know, and I was in all these places I never thought, you know, West Virginia. I've never been to West Virginia in my life because I was going a different way. I didn't go up 95. I went up 81. It was a much more pleasant experience. But I went through West Virginia I've never been in West Virginia. And of course, I bought fireworks in South Carolina. Don't worry, everybody. I know that's what you were wondering. Don't worry. I stopped for some fireworks. I didn't even want any fireworks. I didn't even, obviously, I can't light them off in my apartment. So I gave some to my brother-in-law. Just some. I didn't get, I didn't go crazy. Because sometimes I'll go on June 4th because you can go to Pennsylvania. It's like right outside of New Jersey and buy fireworks. I mean, I can't even believe it. As a kid growing up, we used to have to go to Chinatown. Those of you born in Brooklyn or Jersey you know what I'm talking about if you're over 40 we would go to some guy's trunk in Chinatown pick up a bunch of fireworks by the 4th of July and then go light them off in New Jersey trunk of a car and then Giuliani put a stop to all of that still makes me angry to this day so now there's a fireworks store out right on the border of New Jersey and you know right in right over the Delaware water I mean they're all the fireworks stores are right on the borders because they can be and they know people are coming from out of town. Now, this store in Pennsylvania, I go to this place called Phantom Fireworks. You're not allowed in the store if you're a resident of Pennsylvania. You got to be from outside of town. And you're not allowed to bring the fireworks over the border. So it's like a loophole. The strangest, weirdest loophole of all time. Well, okay, not of all time. But it's, it's up there. So that's why I go June 4th, because obviously they're looking to stop people who are coming there on July 2nd or 1st, so I go a month in advance. I fool them all. But this store, it's like a dream come true for a guy that you know used to get fireworks out of the van, any guy that used to like a boy, any boy that loves fireworks, that used to blow them off his kid, and you always had firecrackers or M80s or pineapples, you know, so pineapples three-quarters of a stick of dynamite, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, we knew all the terms. Uh, nigger chasers. <laughs> It was one. That's what they used to call it. Can you believe that? Yeah. We never thought it was uh, prejudice then, though. It just, we thought that's what they were called. Didn't understand. Hey, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, and I mean, it was just, it was the best. And so this store is like a dream come true. It's like you're a kid in a candy shop. Everything you can purchase you can buy everything legally, technically. And, you know, these massive fireworks, you know, like you see at Macy's, like a box of fireworks. It's just really expensive, but they give you two for one all the time. But it's really pricey. But boy, is it great. I'll tell you something. You know, if I ever get an abundance of cash, I'm going to that store. I'm going to clean that store. I got a picture. You know, if anybody, you know, maybe I'll tweet it. I got a picture of me with like a uh, my van full of fireworks, which was exciting, but it still wasn't enough. I want to get the big ones. I want to get more. You know, I had to fill it with a couple of small ones because they're so expensive. Oh, man, was that cool. I don't know why it's cool. I think you have to be a guy and you got to be a certain age to appreciate it. I can't imagine if you were able to buy in a store. It, it's, it was like going to the pot store in California. It was like a dream come true. It was the exact same experience. I'm going to a pot store in California. It's completely legal to purchase. It's completely legal for this woman over the counter to say, okay, with this, what you get is a nice high with this. It's not too paranoid. It's not. I mean, she's explaining it because it's completely legal. I, it's so, you know, all these years, you know, going to you know pick up weed in Staten Island at a park where some hippie comes out of the bushes on the expressway. It's just a now... You just, you know, wait a little while and I guess everything becomes legal. <laughs> it's like Louis C.K.'s monologue on Saturday Night Live. Do you think uh, pedophile is going to become legal soon or something? Because it's so great. 
He was so funny. I just watched it finally. I was trying to figure out what all the controversy was. I hadn't seen it. And I saw it. It was great. I, I can see why people would be uh, maybe disenchanted, but, you know, it's Louie and he's awesome. And, uh, you know, you're taking a risk. And it's balls to the walls. And I'll tell you, Lauren Michaels, look what he let Louie and Sarah do. You just let them go for it. That's cool. You'd think at this point, maybe Lauren Michaels would relax a little bit, but he let Louie do, you know, some very controversial material. And Sarah just improvise on live television. I mean, that's unheard of. He let her go into the audience, sit on a girl's lap, and ask her questions during a live show, television, network show. That's balls, my friends. All right. Let's see what's going on in the world. I think I would be remiss, and I believe I'm using that word correctly today. You know I'm bad with that stuff. If we didn't talk about that Rachel Dolezal, the girl that, uh, you know, says she's black and kind of painted herself with blackface, which is, you know, really funny. And you know what the worst part is? That's a hilarious story. I mean, you know, for, for in the fact that it's... Uh, it's great we're all talking about it it's exciting it's one of those things you can it's this kind of stuff i talk about you can go into uh, you know the newspaper stand and talk to the guy behind the counter about it you know it's it's fun and it's interesting and it's weird this woman's obviously you know crazy and yet not because she was doing a good job at the NAACP as her you know as the vice president she, was, she did really good at her job because she really cared so she didn't really do anything wrong except you know she lied but I don't know. Was it that bad? What, her, was her her end game wasn't to deceive. Just she just wants to be black. But you know, it's a great kind of stuff. And even these convicts that escaped from prison recently that are still on the run. Although it's a little scary, you know. And hopefully they're not going to kill again. But if they run and they escape, that's cool. And it's kind of fun. And it's exciting that that happens because it's very like in the movies. You just hope things don't turn bad. Uh, the way these guys sound, it sounds like, you know, he killed his boss and he kind of decapitated him. But haven't we all wanted to do that once in a while? <laughs> and the way they seduce this horrible hag uh, who slept with both of them and then they had a plot to kill her husband. I mean, this is great stuff. You know, there's the, the, the tragedy that, yes, they are murderers and it's scary, but that's what also makes it very exciting. And it's fun to talk about. And there's a manhunt like in The Fugitive, you know? I mean, you know, I'm picturing Tommy Lee Jones going after him. No, no, we got to let them, you want to use the media? No, we got to let them relax, go back into society. I mean, that's what's going to happen. Uh, but God, these guys are good, huh? They're escaping. But then you got this douchebag that, uh, you know, killed a bunch of people down in Charleston, South Carolina, and... Uh, got to ruin everybody's good time because then the talk goes back to that god damn it but how lucky for these guys in the manhunt you know now nobody's gonna now they'll talk about this because this guy's on the run it's almost like the guys from the manhunt are so genius to like hey uh if you went in and kind of did this and distracted us i mean you know it's horrible but what a brilliant plan if they could have somehow force in mind the only thing they should do it closer to home but uh yeah, but this guy ruined it for everybody. We had these two really fun, interesting stories happening, and he ruined it. But this Rachel Dolezal, so funny. She was on the Today Show, and she's really obviously insane in many ways, maybe not. And the Twitter is really funny. And Amy Schumer tweeted, she goes, wait, we can be black if we want? <laughs> That's really funny. I think I tweeted, um, I've been parading around as a Jewish person all the time. Surprise, you know, something like that. Something silly. I like to try and be uh, you know, current because, you know, I, I just did an entire hour about how uh, Family Ties uh, was work, you know, how it started. So I, I'm not usually current, so um, I try. Uh, Bill Maher, I'm sick of this Rachel Dolezal story already. My friend D.L. Hughley once said it best. Everybody's black till the police show up. This My friend, Sharon Houston, she is a very good friend. She's in the football pool. Um, I've known her for so many years. She's a doll. She tweeted, gay men have identified themselves as black women for centuries. I'm glad we can openly talk about this now. I like that one. She's funny. And Coulter. Caitlyn Jenner's going, uh, hello, this chick got a perm and went to a tanning salon. I'm getting my junk cut off over here. 
Pretty funny for Ann Coulter. Yeah, because you know Caitlyn Jenner's pissed. That the attention's off of him. That attention whore. Wendy Liebman, who is a really great comic, was on America's Got Talent last year, making a comeback. Amy Schumer almost kind of stole her M.O., you know, her bits a little bit. Um, it always bothers me because I don't, you know, Wendy Liebman was, you know, was really, really good. I've spoken about this on the show before. Um, she wrote, catch me if you tan. <laughs> I like that kind of little stuff. Mia Farrow. Yeah. We accept that a person can identify as transgender. Could trans ethnic be a real thing? You know, she's not trying to be funny, but in, you know, with the trans stuff, I mean, it's an interesting point. Uh, somebody wrote, I was born a poor black child. The legacy of Navin Johnson lives on. <laughs> and then my favorite one, Ashley Tisdale. I don't know if you know her from High School Musical. Um, she just tweeted that, hey, guys, I'll be live tweeting during tonight's premiere of Clipped on TBS. <laughs> That's what came. She couldn't give a shit about any of this. I love it. She's so stupid. But successful. So why am I mocking? Oh, then if you go online, there's a really, really funny picture. I printed it. Obviously, you can't see it. Next week, it'll be perfect. Maybe I'll show you. It's a picture of uh, the, the blonde-haired guy from Scooby-Doo, the cartoon Alan, I think his name is unmasking uh, Rachel, you know, taking her, her blacks up to her white, you know, teen self, you know, roped up like, uh, let's see who's under that mask. And it's really funny. That's a really, really funny cartoon. So, um, yeah, we talked about that. What else did I have planned today? Thought I couldn't talk for an hour. Well, you're wrong. Oh, uh, this is good stuff. Jennifer Lawrence and her bodyguard. Uh, I don't know if you know if you've seen this, but Jennifer Lawrence, you know, from Hunger Games and Oscar winner for Silver Linings Playbook. Very beautiful. Jennifer Lawrence from X-Men. Uh, she's got a bodyguard. His name is Greg Lenz. And he's ridiculously hot. I mean, he is. I mean, look, I mean, I know I've said, you know, everything's gay, but I'm, you got to call a spade a spade. I mean, it's, and again, I'm not, saying that you know even though I used the n-word earlier that's not what I'm talking about um this guy's I mean he's 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 gorgeous and it looks like they're dating but it, you know she's like no no it's my bodyguard it's my bodyguard it's just we just look like we're dating I mean they do look perfect together funny thing is and this is why I like it he's got a wife the bodyguard's got a wife his, her name is Alana and she works at the University of Colorado and I think she might be like a I don't know whether she's a doctor but she you know she works in, at a hospital um, oh, she's a physician assistant. Well, that could mean she's a secretary. Whatever the case may be, she works at a children's hospital. The best part is, looks just like Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, can you see this coming? What? Are we the only ones that get it? She looks just like Jen His wife looks like Jennifer Lawrence. That poor woman is doomed. She's also apparently living in Colorado. He's in Los Angeles or wherever she's going, New York. Oh, my God. <laughs> You know, folks, why are they lying to us? Uh, maybe nothing's happened yet, but how is this not going to end with that happening? It's just really, I don't know. This one, oh, and the best part is, this guy, he's so good looking. He got, a, the, he got a job while he was, I don't even think he was in college. He was living in Colorado, you know, as a vagrant. Um, I think he studied architecture. I don't know. I guess he, okay, he attended uh, the University of Colorado. But to make ends meet, he joined, he got a job in a sorority of Gamma Phi Beta because he needed somewhere to eat for free. So he became a hasher for the sorority. He cleaned dishes and cooked breakfast on the weekend for all the sorority girls. I mean, is this guy good or is this guy good? If he didn't come out of there with a wife, well, he's an idiot for coming out of there with a wife, but uh, wow. Is that necessary? See, now that's the job I should have gotten in college. Because it would have been for... A guy who looks like that doesn't need to get that job. He's obviously going to get that job. And was it necessary for them to say he has to clean the dishes shirtless? Was that part... No, that's not... I'm just kidding. 
But when that, you know, that you could see them being like, well, one of your duties is that you have to do it shirtless because we don't like to get any uh, water or mess on, uh, you know, we don't really, you know, they have some form of excuse. They're like, but I mean, this guy, oh, he's good. That's such a brilliant job. I should have tried to do that, you know. I mean, oh my God, that would have been so brilliant. If I was a little more confident in my cooking, well, I, I could do some chores around the house. Uh, because they probably would have preferred a guy like me because they would have had a thing like, look, uh, we're all in agreement where none of us are attracted to him, so this is probably the right guy. I mean, what a mess. This guy's good. So anyway, he married a girl from the sorority that he was working in. How is this not going to end up hilarious for us, not hilarious for his wife? But remember, his wife still hot. I would very much like to meet her. So I don't think she's going to have any problems. Um, Jurassic World. Kicking ass at the box office. It has now become the number one movie opening of all time. But you know what the problem with that, what bothers me, is that all the movies that are coming out are becoming the number one because the prices are going up and everything. So I kind of hate that statistic because it just beat out Marvel's The Avengers and it beat out uh, the number three spot of Greatest Opening Weekend, The Avengers 2, Age of Ultron, and before that, Iron Man 3. So there was a little lapse for a while. Harry Potter... Dark Knight, Hunger Games. I mean, Hunger Games 2. You know, I mean, that just came out... Well, I guess now it's two years old, but still, you know what I'm saying? It's like Furious 7 is up. It's number 11. Spider-Man 3 is like the oldest one uh, from 2007. All the Twilights are up there. You know, these are the opening weekends. So it's like hard to say. That's not like a fun statistic because clearly they just keep breaking you know, the box office. Um, now, Avatar is still the biggest box office overall worldwide moneymaker of all time. And after that is Titanic, because it was Titanic for a long time. But I love that it's Titanic is still second from 1997, because the top 10 are all from the 2000s. So that list kind of gets boring. Do you know that Furious 7, the Fast and the Furious 7, is the fourth grossing movie of all time that came out this year. So, you know, it's like no fun, and I like that kind of stuff. But So the best part is they have a listing of what the greatest, the biggest box office moneymakers of all time are if you take into consideration inflation. And that is where it's interesting. Because we know Avatar and Frozen and, you know, Harry Potter uh, 8 are going to be up there. But, you know, so it, it, it's boring. Like I said, Titanic's the only one from the 90s in the top 10. But if you took into consideration inflation, Gone with the Wind is the highest grossing movie of all time. From 1939, Gone with the Wind. And number two... Doesn't it make sense? Star Wars. Number three, you ready for this? The Sound of Music. I find this completely fascinating. What about you guys? I don't know. Am I crazy? E.T. is number four and Titanic is number five. And that's why I like it. So Titanic is number five, whether you're taking into consider inflation or whether you're you're not Titanic's number two of all time and even if you take in inflation over the years Titanic's still number five so that to me says Titanic is the shit because where do you hear what number six is are you ready it's the Ten Commandments yeah the Ten Commandments is the number six movie of all time taking into consideration inflation I commend you to your Hebrew God who has no name if you die, it will be by his hand, not by mine. Well, I suppose if the Lord God wants me to... That's my Charlton Heston. Used to be unbelievable. Now, really don't know how to do it anymore. Um, 
so it, 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 then Jaws, Dr. Shivago, The Exorcist, and you ready for number 10? Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. I am fascinated by that list. And on another show, maybe around Oscar time again, we'll go through more because I'm completely fascinated. I don't know why. I just like that kind of shit, you know? Um, you know, I like lists and charts, and that's why I like going over the ratings, you know? And, and the ratings, my God, for the NBA playoffs. I mean, you know, not basketball ratings, but the finals... Uh, all top five, the top three, game three, four, five being the top rated one because six just happened Tuesday. 7.6 ratings, that's huge. Because America's Got Talent was the number four show of the week and that's a 2.3. Think of the drop off. 2.3, 7.6 in the ratings. America's Got Talent, which I have to watch now because Howard's on it and he talks about it on the show. So if you're Howard Sturman, you like must watch and I really don't want to watch it. It's always two hours. It's too much. Then American Ninja Warrior. Can you believe that? And number nine, Stanley Cup Finals. Can you believe it on NBC? The Stanley Cup Finals. Who knew? Still got a 1.7. Hockey sucks. People hate hockey. It's so funny. I don't know. You know, that again, that's uh, funny. So um, I'm just going to just talk about one thing. Running out of time. Although, really, are we ever running out of time? Obviously, I can do as long as I want, but I got to go to that show tonight. I was taking a sip of water. Um, Britain's Got Talent. We were just talking America's Got Talent. Now, a dog act won. And, you know, we love... A dog act keeps winning Britain's Got Talent. And, you know, and a dog act beat my friend, Tom Cotter, in America's Got Talent. And I felt so bad for Tom. And Tom is great, and he's such a nice guy. And I remember writing to him, and I was trying not to be rude about it because it's funny to us, but it's not funny if it's you and you end up losing to a goddamn dog act. But, yeah, he lost to the dog act, so he went on. And then the dog act that he lost to, the dog comes out of the curtain, and he's driving a car with his paw outside the window as if he just has his, like, elbow out the window. And I'm like, oh, my God, this contest is over. Clearly, America felt that way, too. It was, like, so sad. Tom put his heart into doing a, an amazing finale for a comedian. It's so difficult. And then all of a sudden, this dog comes in driving a car. It's like, it's over. Give him the prize already. Because even I was saying, I'm like, oh, he's, there's no way. This is the funniest thing I've ever seen. And that dog act won. It's so embarrassing. I feel so bad for him. But his career, like, took off after that. So it's, it's okay. I mean, he still came in second, which is really good. But um, And it's not like winning. I haven't heard of that dog act. Where are they? Where are those shows that win? Where's that Japanese guy that won a couple of years ago? What are they doing? They say they have a show in Vegas, but I think it's for a day. I don't know what happens to those people. I don't know if it's good. Anyway, in Britain's Got Talent, a dog act won, but apparently this woman who was the trainer used a different, a stunt double for a tightrope act that ended up winning. And then people found out it was a double. They got furious. And now there's a huge controversy. And, you know, uh, the, the people are involved. You know, they're investigating it. Uh, all because there was a stunt double dog. And she admitted. She goes, yeah, it was because uh, the other dog's afraid of heights. And I'm not sure about that one. I can't decide whether I would feel duped or not if a dog that looked exactly the same and it was his brother ended up doing the trick. I mean, the dog's still doing the trick. But I guess if she was promoting that it was this one dog that was this great and then she used a different dog, I mean, does this really matter? Is this necessary? But it's a, but anyway, there's a, a picture. If you look at some of the stuff online, I mean, it's, it's so funny. One, there's a dog. I didn't see any of the video, but now I want to see it. There's a dog in a... a and, it, it, it has there's a picture it says wanted a uh, sausage thief um it's a picture of a dog and a wanted poster and then the dog is looking out of a garbage can because he's been hiding because he's the dog that stole the sausage <laughs> i mean you know how i feel about this stuff a dog with a blog and stuff so it's even extra funny when it's actually a dog when the dog's real you know i'm gonna love it what's the matter with me oh my god i have issues i have so many issues I don't know what I'm going to do, but that's the way it is, and that's the way you people love it. 
All right. So we go into next week filming the show, hopefully doing a regular podcast, but then you'll be able to see maybe, you know, 15, a little compilation of it on DoveThoughts.com. Hopefully that next day, I don't know, maybe, I'm not sure how long it takes to put it together, but they seem to have a team going in for a production meeting on Monday. <laughs> and as I said, my guest will be Irene Bremis, the lovely Irene Bremis, and we work good together. And the presentation of the Cow Cup. And then I guess we'll just see what happens. I mean, I'm still trying to... You know, we're coming up to September. I'm going to try and make the push for the show so everybody listens. Because I love doing it, and I know you love it, too. I am Dave Juskow. This is the Dave Juskow Show, the Dave Juskow Podcast. And we'll see you next week. From high atop the tower on Madison Avenue in New York City. We'll see you then, folks. Have a great week.